Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to episode number 366 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is April 13th, 2015. Hope you guys all enjoyed the USC Spring Game. If you got to see it on TV, sort of on TV, Pac-12 Networks, or if you got to the Coliseum, almost 23,000 of you guys came out. and It was a big crowd, and I think it was a lot more fun than last year. We're going to talk all about the Spring Game with Coach Harvey Hyde. And Dan Weber coming up a little bit later on in the show. If you have any questions or comments, and you guys sent in a lot this week, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. Or you can call us at 206-888-6755. Leave a brief voicemail there. Or go to our website, parastylepodcast.com, and leave a voicemail there as well. Write it from your computer so it's really easy to get in touch with us. And without further ado, I want to bring in the coach, Harvey Hyde, who was at the spring game in stealth mode, off to himself, watching the game. How you doing, coach? I am doing absolutely fantastic. Hey, uh, Ryan, I hear the tailgate went great. I apologize to everybody out there. I couldn't make it. Had to attend a couple of things that uh, I didn't think I was going to have to attend, but I did have to attend them. I got there with the team buses. Didn't ride on the team buses, but sort of followed them in, but got there right on time, 3 o'clock, for the opening drills and uh, national anthem and all the cheerleaders and all the fans. And then, by the way, I think that's the largest crowd I've ever seen at an FC spring game ever. I think it was coach. I mean, it's, at least in the last 10 years or something, I mean, it's just, it's not always been a super popular event, 15, 20,000, but I felt that they, they pushed it. And a lot of people felt there was even more, you know, more than 23,000 there. Oh, it could have been, it really could have been. Uh, I was impressed with the, enthusiasm of the crowd that came out and uh and uh the what uh they were involved they're involved and uh i think it's great to see that i think everybody's anticipating a great year and uh i think that's what they're all looking forward to see seeing and uh, even saw the little ones there I always talk about the little ones who uh don't even know they're going to be trojans but they're all they always already have their trojan gear on and they're running up and down the stairs they're really cute and i'll tell you it's, it's it's just a beautiful day out there it was a beautiful weather day too wasn't it oh it was beautiful i think it, it couldn't have gone better the tailgate like uh you mentioned it was awesome we had a, a great time at the tailgate i mean certainly over 100 people were there some people thought most almost 200 i don't know but we had a lot of people at the tailgate it was a lot of fun got to meet a lot of people and they were definitely asking for you coach so uh well next time. <laughs> well i'm sorry guys i really uh i sort of uh travel uh, by myself to sporting events, uh, especially at the spring game. Not that I didn't want to come to this, because I said I, I'm going to try to make it. But I, I even watch the scrimmage by myself. Uh, I like to sit where I can enjoy it and take some notes and watch it as I would be watching the game from the press box if I was a coach, watching what was going on in the field. And that's the way I try to do it so I can really give an accounting to all of our listeners, Ryan, uh, of what I actually see as a coach, not a fan. And uh, what I would uh, have done differently, or what I thought they'd done right, what they did right, and all of the above. Well, we're going to pick your brain, coach, for sure. And we got a bunch of questions to get to, so we're going to talk about all that. And wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. SCTickets.com is the website, or you can call them at 1 800 888 7287. You need tickets for anything 
sporting events around the country, around L.A. You want to go to Ducks playoff game or uh, the Clippers or Dodgers or Angels, anything like that, you can go to sctickets.com and they can hook you up. And, uh, Coach, I guess we should kind of jump right in there with the questions. And uh, Jesse Rodriguez, U.S. Army retired, had some observations. Um, he watched from up in uh, Seattle. And I'll read you kind of what he thought and then get your thoughts on that. He said the offensive line looked big and stout. Glad to see a lot of them uh, lost some weight. Do you think they're ready to dominate the Pac-12? And he said it looks like the starting secondary is very much improved. And it's going to be deep. Uh, do you think they match up well with Pac-12 offenses? And lastly, that the defensive line showed some progress, and so did the front seven overall. Since we really didn't see a big effort to run the ball, do you think you have to wait until fall camp to see the front seven, how stout they're really going to be? Well, I tell you, you got quite a question. Oh, sorry. So, what's uh, the, the first one was the offensive line. I'll, I'll read them off like in brief. Okay, first is the offensive line. What I like about the offensive line, they have some experience uh, for this coming year. They're very competitive. I think they get along very well. I think Coach Conley's done a great job as far as coming in and replacing the offensive line coach that was there. Uh, it's great to see uh, Jordan Simmons out there. It's great to see a lot of these. Uh, players get better, and and I agree with what he said. I think that's probably the strength. One of the strengths of the offense is the offensive line. Uh, They can only go one way, and that's up because they're youngsters. They're getting better. They've got some great uh, recruits coming in, too, Uh, Johnson and others who will add to the the group. Brown is already playing well. Hensley's uh, much better than I thought he was going to be. Uh, Tuma's really pushing Banner. Banner's gotten better. Uh, I think Turk's gotten better, except for the one area. And I and I and I mentioned this three or four weeks ago. I don't think the snapping portion of the offense uh, is uh, what it should be. You heard me talk about that a couple of weeks ago when we were, when I was out of the scrimmage, and the manager is throwing the ball to the quarterback when the center should be snapping it over, over, and over with a nose guard on him or having to go to blocks right or left to get that down. And in that scrimmage, two or three snaps were bad. And in a, in a ball game, that could cost you a ball game. So, uh, But as far as the offensive line, totally, as far as pass blocking and as far as execution, I thought they did a good job. Now, against the run, you can't tell, but they never ran the ball. Out of 86 plays, 85 plays, maybe they ran the ball 15 times. I don't know if there was 15 times. I don't think they made an effort to try to run the football. Uh, Myself, I think you have to make an effort to run the football. Now, again, you have to say on the offensive line, what was their opponent? Are they better, or is the defensive line not as good? You've heard me talk about the defensive line. I think that the defensive line is not at the level of what uh, you have to be in the Pac-12. Uh, and I'm not uh, being critical as far as individual players. I just think the overall quickness, the overall, and I know they're depleted. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm saying with the group of players that were playing, I know Bigelow didn't play. I know Woods didn't play. I know Townsend didn't play. I know... Cologne didn't play. Okay, from what I saw, you're not going to win the Pac-12 with that defensive front. Okay, Uh, and everybody probably knows that. So no big deal when I make that statement. I think I like the linebackers, the inside linebackers. I think they've really improved. I think uh, Cameron Smith did a great job. And I know I'm jumping around from the offensive line, but I'm remembering what I saw. I thought that uh, Lamar's doing a great job and, and, you know, Sorrell's not even in there, blah, blah, blah. But uh, 
the offensive line played better, but again, you have to say who they playing against. And so you mentioned the the front seven there uh, for the defense, but he also wanted to know about the uh, the last part of it was the secondary. And do you think that they could match up well with Pac-12 offenses? I like the secondary. I, I mentioned that before. I thought that's the strength of this year's uh, defense as far as going into fall camp. Uh, uh, and as you've heard me say, I'd like to see Suva Craven in the secondary. I'd like to see him playing in the middle of the field. I'd like to see him being able to tackle on both sides of the field and run your secondary. Uh, I know he's playing uh, uh, outside linebacker. I know he sacked the quarterback five or six times last year. I know he did this. I know he did all those things. But I hope that uh, some of these other linebackers can, you know, come in and, and put him, your best player, back where he should be playing and where he'll be playing in the NFL. But I, I like the play of Seymour. I like the play of, of, uh, of course, uh, Adore Jackson, and I'm going to say it again. I think this is where he should be playing. I don't think he should be playing on offense, but again, that's my, not my call. Every time that you put him over there, uh, I can see the heads drop of the receive Stevie Mitchell and these other guys. They are good enough. Let him get better at what he does as far as being a lockdown corner. Sure, I agree he should be running back butts. Sure, I agree let him run back kickoffs. But as far as if you don't have enough players with I'm going to tell you, the players you have out there as receivers, and you've heard me talk about the receiver group, is as good as there is in the country. You have to put him over there. What are you highlighting? He's a sophomore. Did you promise him this, or are you just doing this to promote him uh, to do backflips in the end zone? I mean, I think that you've you got to be able to control your personnel and, and be able to have all your players on the field and get better at what they do. That's, that's, not, uh, that's just my philosophy. And I just think that that's the way I would do it. Uh, the first play at a scrimmage, uh, Dory was at offense. What was the play? A streak right down the sideline to, to Dory. And they didn't hit it. And they didn't hit it when Brown threw the next one to what, Juju Smith in, uh, on his first series uh, in the scrimmage. Uh, and I call it a scrimmage. I don't call it a spring game. Because it wasn't a spring game, and we'll get into that later. All right. But uh, <laughs> But as far as the secondary is concerned, I agree, and you got you got guys like Langley coming in. You got Ross coming in. You got uh, Marshall coming in. You you got uh, Lamont Simmons. I think's great. I think Plattenberg's going to be a great one, and he didn't play. So you've got secondary depth, and you got guys that can play. So I agree, the secondary is not uh, the weakness of your defense; it is the strength of your defense. So there, you know, you need a lot of doctoring up in the front. Uh, down guys, and, and, you know, everybody's talking about relying on these freshman kids that are coming in. Uh, they have great potential, these five kids. But, boy, they got to get a lot of reps. they got to get a lot of reps because uh, I, I'm not seeing what should be getting done with that front that uh, if you're going to play in the Pac-12. All right, uh, let's go. we got a voicemail question for you, Coach. Let me play it. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Coach. Hi, Dan. Uh, this is Tom from South Bay. Great job always. Uh, I was at the Coliseum yesterday, and I did not see any running game at all. Uh, just pass, pass, pass. And as you know, Coach, you can't win with one dimension. So did the coaches learn from uh, last year experience? Can you please uh, tell us and uh, explain to us if they learn or something we can do? I appreciate it. Fight on. Thank you. Well, you must have been at the same scrimmage I was. <laughs> And and I agree with you 100%. Uh, 
there wasn't even an effort to run the football. I mean, sure, what what was it? Uh, minus two, eight yards rushing. I mean, yeah, they they said that all you had to do is tag the the, the ball carrier, and that's why they didn't run the football. Well, you know, if I'm an offensive back, you know, I say, why am I? You know, I should have gone to something else today. I mean, you've got to be able to improve with your timing and your series and your play action pass and all of the above. But most of the time, I, all I saw was backs and as receivers in motion, no remaining backs, throwing the ball, spreading the field, uh, and throw, 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 just like you said. I started the conversation here, pass, 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 no run. I still don't see, and again, they might not have wanted to show all of this on TV, but they, I am sure... Uh, knowing their opponents are watching this, but how do you get better? You don't think they're going to know what you're going to do anyway? I mean, it's not any secrets. I mean, you, they scout your first two games, or you were doing exactly what you did last year. I don't see anything you're doing different. You're not utilizing your tight end whatsoever. I mean, uh, the tight end, when he was in there, when Connor's in there, they run him in a flex. They're going to throw the football. When Fitzpatrick's in there, they're going to block with him, Okay. I don't think the tight end caught one pass the entire day. Now, I might be wrong, but did he catch a pass the entire day? Or did they throw it to the tight end once during the game? Yeah, there was a, there was one to uh, Jalen Fitzpatrick. Off no the, at least one to him, yeah. So he caught one, but there wasn't a whole lot of that either way. So, you know, I think that you've got to emphasize the areas of, of improvement. And uh, I didn't see that play, but I might have been – speaking at somebody that walked by or whatever. But uh, that's why I like to sit by myself. I'm sorry then uh, I missed that play. I would have liked to have seen it. But, uh, you know, you've got to run the ball, and you got to show that you believe in the run. And I didn't see any new run series. I didn't see any type of play action passes. Uh, you know, of course, they didn't bootleg like they liked to do. Uh, it was all passing. It was an exhibition, if you want to. It was a passing exhibition against your defense. I thought, to be honest with you, I didn't think it was fair to the defense whatsoever. They put them in a position where they couldn't win. And you got to remember that defense is your, on your team too. Right. Uh, so, you know, if, if, you, if they make some stops and they, they stop some plays and they make some great plays, yeah, cheer for them. You know, it's amazing. You go to a, a scrimmage like that, and the entire stadium, I'm watching it, listening to them. Every time the offense scored on the defense, everybody would cheer and get excited. But you're cheering, you're cheering against your own team. <laughs> you're cheering against your defensive team. So, you know, you've got to remember you're all one. You've just put the squad here. So uh, I was somewhat uh, – uh, I don't like that. That's why I would have it more in a game situation where you split your squad and have it like a game and practice it a lot of game, like a game, not an exhibition, or like it was run on Saturday. But, of course, that's my opinion. Uh, you know, uh, uh, not and, and my opinion uh, is only what I'm expressing. I, I don't run the team or the program, but this is what I see. So just want to answer it that way. Okay. I hope I answered the question. Yeah. Uh, we got one from he's Fight On in Georgia. After watching the team this spring, do you see a different mindset setting in with the coaches and players on how good this program is now? And do you see a killer instinct being installed uh, finally instead of a run-the-clock-down mentality? Thanks and love the show and fight on. Well, let, let, me, let me put it to you this way. 
I love the players. I think they got a great roster. It's unbelievable the, the talent they have out there. Except for the areas that I mentioned earlier. You've got to get improvement and more depth in the defensive line, and your outside linebackers have got to be you got to have speed, speed, speed on defense. And the defensive front and the linebackers outside don't have speed, speed, speed. Now, Sue for Craven does, but the other players just play up to their ability. You don't have roughing out there, of course, and he'll make a difference. But uh, I think that uh, this team has great potential. Whenever you have great recruiting classes, and I thought they had great recruiting classes even when they were limited to 65 scholarships and all of the above. I wouldn't have changed the roster with anybody. But I think you have to fit your defense and fit your offense to fit your personnel. And I I'm still think they're trying to figure out what they want to do offensively with the quarterback. The, the offense currently that they run with the running game does not allow the running game to really work. But you really don't have an outside running game whatsoever. I think they ran one play to the outside. And when you have a one-back running game, which they are currently running, the quarterback's got to be the other running back, and it isn't in this offense. So I think you're hurting yourself. As a defensive coordinator, I say, I know, I just got to stop the running back. Who cares if the quarterback don't even put a guy on him, but it doesn't make any difference. Even on the bootleg, he's going to pass the ball. He's not going to run it. So I think you've got to utilize your personnel and make sure you have your players in a position where they can best perform what they're going to do. On the defensive side, uh, unless they get more help with the defensive front, you've got to blitz more, you've got to man up. You can't ask your secondary to cover forever, but someone's going to get open. So that means you've got to get to the quarterback. And if four guys can't make it to the quarterback or three guys can't make it to the quarterback, then you've got to send – five or six guys to get to the quarterback so they can cover up and eventually you're going to get burnt on a back or a screen or a draw. You won't get hurt on a draw, I don't think. But you've got to be able to take advantage of what your strengths are. And if you have weaknesses, you've got to cover up your weaknesses by another type of philosophy. And this is what I think and hope the USC has got to do. And I think they've got great personnel and I think that with the personnel coming in, they have great potential with the type of players that are coming in. But these young players coming in on the defensive line, they've got to really get a lot of turns in a hurry, and they've got to grow up real quickly. They've got to grow up. They've got to get a lot of reps. Uh, you know, uh, Cody, uh, Cody went through the spring. He didn't get hurt, and I'm proud of him. He really did. He played his butt off because they didn't have many defensive linemen. But it's time for Townsend to grow up. It's time for Woods to be a great leader and play that nose guard and play that technique in there that he can knock somebody back and hold the force down in the inside and motivate the other players. Palin and Simmons, it's time for them to play. And it's time for them to learn how to play hard every single down, pursue, get lower when they pursue. They're too tall. They've got to drop that shoulder and pursue down the line of scrimmage. They've got to rush the player, passer much harder and be more dominant. And uh, with this with this type of uh, improvement, you got a chance. Remember, everybody's trying to get better in the Pac-12. Everybody is better in the Pac-12. So it's harder to catch back up. But if anybody can do it, it's USC. Uh, let's go to Matt. 
coach. And uh, this is an interesting question because in the just so people know, they didn't do any kickoffs or punt returns. They didn't do a lot of special teams, but they did kick field goals. And two uh, kickers are competing, Matt Boremeister and Alex Wood. And both of them were two for two, and both of them hit uh, 50 plus yard field goals. I think it was a 52 and a 53 yard field goal. So uh, the, the kicking game looked pretty good as far as the, the spring game goes. But Matt's question was, what's the deal on the USC kicking game? It would seem to be, it would seem easy to get a quality kicker to want to come and spend four years in Los Angeles to kick a football. Is USC not an attractive place for kickers? Is it the coaching staff? Are we not developing talent? Uh, so Matt's not real happy with the kicking game, but I'm not sure. I mean, at least for the spring game, that looked pretty good. Well, uh, there was four portions of the game like that that uh, they didn't emphasize or do. Uh, I think it's important to do that and, and get a feel of it in the Coliseum with the crowd and know it's important. Sometimes when you don't do those things in a spring scrimmage, or I like to call it spring game, but it wasn't because you didn't do those type of things, there's a feeling of the players it's not that important, that we didn't need to do it. You need to do it. And uh, I think you need to do it full speed. Now, you don't need to do it full speed tackling, but full speed in covering and full speed in in blocking because you get all that on tape, and you can teach from it. Now, when you don't get that teaching tape, it's hard to be able to get better. You use these tapes the entire summer and into the fall, and you decide not only by teaching, but who can play special teams and who can't. And you've got to be able to do that. And they did not do that. They didn't punt the ball. They didn't, you know, all the things he said. uh, No punt returns, no nothing else, no tape. And I think in the mental side of it, does that show how important it really is? Real important. you got to do that, just like the running game. It's real important. You can't talk about, oh, that wasn't the emphasis of our of our scrimmage. Well, what it, what it was then? That's part of there should be one half or three quarters of your offense, your running game. You got to run to make anything else work. Hey, games are won and lost in the trenches. You got to get off the football and dominate. Tony Baselli said on the interview on on a station, he says we dominate on the line of scrimmage. You got to dominate as an offensive lineman. Well, on the defensive side, you've got just got to be just as nasty, like trying to take my area. Hey, hey, man, just come, please run here so I can knock you on your ass. You know, you got to have that type of feeling. And on the part of the special game that I special teams that I watched, the field goal and the field goal block, you know, which or whatever you want to call it, it was a service portion for the defensive side. And the offense, of course, was trying to make the field goals. I don't know if the defensive side was trying to block it, but they just serviced them. That's what we call we need it serviced. But I didn't see the little things, too, being coached. I didn't see coverage by the field goal team. After the ball is kicked, you're supposed to cover. In case it's short and the guy runs it back. I don't know how many people notice these type of things, but this is why I sit and watch it by myself. But you cover and you should have guys in the background uh, returning guys in case it's short and teach the situation. This one we'd return. This one we wouldn't. This is what the situation is. Uh, so if these things happen during a game, you have it on tape, and you, they've been through it before. 
even onside kicks and all the different things are part of a game and part of what you need to go through during the spring. Now, they always say, well, we don't have enough time to do that. But I think a crowd and people that are watching a scrimmage, when you go to watch a scrimmage, you want to go to watch a spring game, you want to see it as a game. You want to see all these things going on and how they do these things. And, and these kids see how important these, these parts of the game are. Uh, so, you know, I'm still calling it a scrimmage or an exhibition, but it seems as though the emphasis was all offense as far as I was concerned. How many touchdowns you could score and how you threw the football. It was a, it was a 11-on-11 passing scrimmage. Um, yeah, hard to argue, <laughs> it's hard to argue with that, Coach. But for the kicking game, it's you know, just so you know, there, there are two kickers that are competing. They look pretty good. Um, you know, one of them's on scholarship, Matt Bormeister, who, re- who blue-shirted last year so he actually redshirted and he's coming he's got three years to play so uh keep watching this fall and there should be a little bit more of the uh kicking game and stuff uh showcase there um Tarion said would you please uh, clarify for me the three defensive linemen positions that are listed in the depth chart defensive tackle nose tackle and defensive end and do the skill sets differ between each of those positions and will we some of those players play more than one well, I sort of went through that uh, uh, question at two back. Um, yeah, the, you know, they're, they're different type of players. You have your stout guys inside, hold ground like Woods and Cody Temple, Temple and those guys, and the defensive tackles or, or defensive ends, whatever you want to call them, in the, in the 34 or whatever defense you're in. You've got to be uh, guys that uh, penetrate and get across the line of scrimmage and get your hands up and pursue and watch for any counter plays and all of that along with your linebackers. Uh, they just don't have depth. We talked about that. I'll tell you, they got in better shape than anybody on the team this year. They went every single play, these kids. Uh, Malik uh, Dorton uh, played left tackle when Pallone wasn't there. Left, left defensive end when he was number 44. Played his butt off, but you know he's not a great big kid. He's six two, two fifty, two sixty, but he plays hard. So I'm not telling you the defensive guys aren't playing hard. As far as some of them, they're playing up to their ability, and sometimes their ability isn't that of what just got necessary. Some of them, and I'm not telling you using names, but some of them uh, aren't the level of what you need to do to 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 win the Pac-12 South, and that's another thing I want to say. I mean, you can't look past. Well, your goal is to win the Pac-12 South, not to win national championships and all. Yeah, yeah, that comes down the road. You got to be lucky and everything else. But you know, you can't be able. You can't be saying how good we're going to be all the time. You got to say, hey, we might be good if we get it done. And uh, you've got to keep working to get harder and get better and better and better and and uh, get involved and make it happen and pay the price and be nasty and not do flips in the end zone and spike the ball and all that crap. I'd have thrown a 15-yard penalty on those guys. How are you going to learn? How are you going to learn? You're a teacher on the field. You're a teacher. And the way, if that penalty, remember, the rule is if you start celebrating before you go in the end zone, it's not a touchdown. 
and there's a 15-yard penalty from there. So you got to start teaching all of these things all the time. And you've got to officiate the game just like a real game. Like if you were doing the special teams and all of these things, if you got a legal procedure or something went wrong, well, then you call a penalty on it. And you call delay of games. And you do the whole thing so it's like a real ball game. So, uh, yeah, I know you don't have time to do all that. But, you know, like I said earlier when we were talking off the air, I don't know if they went to a hotel. I know they didn't dress in the locker room at the Coliseum. You know, you try to do everything in the spring like a real game. And you get the emphasis of a real game. So everybody plays hard. Now, you don't want anybody to get hurt. I don't think anybody got hurt. But uh, I don't see how anybody could get hurt. They really didn't. Uh, to me, did you? here's the best question to ask yourself as a coach. Did you get better as a team Saturday? Did we get better? Did we waste a day, or did we really get better? Because you only have 15 days. Did we really get better? So, you know, I don't know if I rambled on too long on that, but uh, <laughs> I just did anyway. That's all right. Uh, well, Melvin has one. Um, after seeing the spring practices and spring game, what area of the team seems to be strong going into the fall, like, for example, the receiving core, versus areas of the team that you think that really has to improve during fall practice? Well, you know, you want all of the areas of your team to improve. First of all, it's when you become satisfied is when you lose. So if you're a receiver, you got to get better. If you're a running back, you got to get better. If you're a quarterback, you got to get better. Everything. And if you're a coach, you got to coach better. Same thing on the defensive side of the football. But as I mentioned earlier, I thought the strengths of the team – Offensively, of course, Cody Kessler as quarterback, a leader, experienced guy. I think he should be given more audible situations, but when you run hurry-up offenses, you really don't have a chance to audible much. But he's the type of guy that could be able to do that very well. Offensive line, uh, of course, you're going to get more running backs in. I think these running backs that are coming in are players that can play, I really believe they are, not to say Trey Madden can't play or Justin Davis can't play. And you know, you've already heard me tell you I like Tolone. Tolan, excuse me. Uh, the tight end portion of the game, team, there, it's almost like it's not on the field. I think they've got to include the tight end more. Don't play a tight end. Just take him out of the game. Tell him totally. And utilize some type of flex or wide back or something different because you're not utilizing him at all. As far as in the passing game, he should be a big part of your passing game. When you have a tight end that, you know, that can catch the football. I mean, this uh, Noah Jefferson is coming in from Liberty High School in in uh, Las Vegas. You know, he played tight end. He played receiver. He did everything. He's six six, two hundred eighty five pounds. I mean, and can run. I mean, man, oh man, that's like what you call. Uh, that's one of the biggest. Players, I mean, you got to have players like that. But I know he's a defensive lineman, and they need him there. But they're getting a kid that's coming in, too, from Northern California. Petit, is that his name? Uh, Tyler Petit, yeah. Yeah, he's coming in, and but he's going to be behind time. Bryce Dixon, I think. Bryce, you don't hear much of You don't hear them talk much about Bryce. I think Clem and Bryce went to the same party <laughs> or something. Because there was one article, Ryan, about both of them. 
and you never heard another thing from anywhere. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. So uh, I think the secondary strong. Linebackers uh, got to get some playing time. You know, Lamar's been a long time since he's been on the field. Cameron's a young guy. Tucker's a young guy. Serraro missed the spring. So, uh, you know, outside linebackers is something that, you know, we've talked about already. So I think we've covered most of that, right? I'll tell you one thing I didn't mention. Okay. And in the kicking game portion, I wish they'd have kicked off because I see these guys kicking 51 and 52-yard field goals. But I want to see them kicking the ball out of the end zone or kicking the ball into the end zone where it can't be returned. I want to see that. So that way we know the ball is going to be on, what, the 25-yard line. There's no runbacks to the 35 to the 40. I want to see that. And if you have to use two kickers to do that, one for field goals and one to kick off to save their legs, then do that. But that's a portion of the game. And we had an earlier caller today say, what is it that kickers don't come to USA? Kickers should come to USA. Everything else comes to USA. It's a life dream. So I'm telling you, nothing more would satisfy me if they had a kickoff guy to kick the ball out of the end zone or non-returnable kickoffs every single kickoff. I used to tell my kickers, and I'm going to repeat myself, that I want you to kick the ball so hard and so far that I only send you out on the kickoff team. I rest my players because I send one player out there. I don't know if there's a rule that you have to have 11, but I'll send you out there and you kick the ball out of the end zone and then I'll send the defense in. That's what I think you should have. Nice. Okay? I like it. Uh, well, Coach, it was great stuff. We uh, got It was a long segment because there's a lot of questions about USC spring football. We'll be able to come next week and uh, get more questions in and and kind of talk to you about the philosophy coming out of spring football, going to the off-season workouts, and, of course, uh, leading up to fall camp. But we look forward to talking to you then, and thanks again for coming on the show. Hey, Ryan, one thing I want to mention, too. You're going to be on my USC Trojan Talk show this Thursday night, and it's going to be opposite. I'm going to be asking you, okay? All right. And I want all of our listeners out there to uh, listen to it. If they can't listen to it in Las Vegas, it'll be a Las Vegas show that they can go to kshb.com. That's kshb.com. Hit listen, 7 o'clock, Thursday night. And if they're listening in the Inland Empire, it's Saturday mornings from 11 to 12 on KMET. That's 1490 on the dial. So uh, you can get those shows uh, no matter where you are. Really, you just go to the Internet and you can get them anywhere. And uh, we'll see what Ryan Abraham has to say about some of my questions. Nice. Okay? <laughs> okay, Coach, that sounds great. I'll look forward to it. Okay, buddy. Well, thank you very much, and thank you for all of uh, you out there that, that listen to our show and keep the questions coming. And remember, mine is only an opinion. All right. Now, you can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy. We'll be back in one minute talking with USCfootball.com beat writer Dan Weber. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, 
That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concerts, sports, and theater. Oh, man. What's wrong? It's my marketing guy. I can't get in touch with him, and I'm still waiting on simple website changes to get done. Who are you using? Uh, Some cheap and easy website company. I just can't get results. It's so frustrating. I never had that problem with my marketing company. I use Circle Marketing. They're always available, very friendly, and do great work. My business has seen improvements. They handled my website, online ads, and much more. Go to CircleMarketing.com and see if they're right for you. CircleMarketing.com, huh? Well, I'll go there right now. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. We are back here at a very busy Peristyle Podcast talking about the USC spring game. You got Coach Harvey Hyde's thoughts, and then we want to bring in Dan Weber, USCFootball.com beat writer, and get his thoughts on, on what he saw out there. And we have a ton of questions to get to, Dan. So if you're cool, we'll kind of jump right in there with those. Sounds great. Well, uh, welcome to the show, Dan. And uh, um, so I let people know we still have some NCAA questions. We've been getting them a lot uh, but because this week is real busy with the spring game. I think we're going to focus on that. Uh, we'll, I'll save all your questions if you sent them in about Reggie Bush or Todd McNair or the NCAA. I'll save them for next week and we can kind of uh, uh, follow them there. But we do have a whole, <laughs> whole bunch of those. Um, but we'll jump in. Well, I guess one of the things we uh, might remind people is uh, we're going to start this week a little bit of going back uh, and taking a look at the history of the way USCfootball.com has covered the Reggie Bush, Reggie Bush uh, the USC case, basically, with the NCAA, and remind you know people of some of the things you know we've written over the years, and maybe take a look at some of the original you know filings in the case and all of that kind of thing. And uh, so we'll have uh, time with without uh, you know the team practicing, we'll have time to kind of you know, take another look at uh, how this has developed over the last, uh, you know, four and a half years or so. And uh, and then we can maybe talk about it next week. Yeah, that sounds good. And, uh, well, let's, we'll jump right in, and we have, we'll start with a voicemail question for you. Uh, Dan, here we go. We'll, we'll play this one. Hi, uh, Ryan, uh, Dan, and Harvey. This is Jeff in the OC, or JC in the OC. I had a great opportunity to meet Ryan this weekend very briefly. Thank you, Ryan, for putting on such a great event in the parking lot there. Uh, it really got the spirit of Trojan football, and, and, and it was a gift or a blessing that we could totally get into football uh, this early in the year. So thanks again. I felt bad. It looked like you didn't have a lot of help there, but you were uh, such a great guy and talking to everyone, and you are just the classiest guy around, I know, and uh, kudos to you and the crew. Uh, real quickly, uh, summarizing the practice, a lot of passing. Uh, didn't see much running. Um, I don't know if that's just, you know, the style of that kind of practice. Uh, it makes me think uh, uh, that, you know, a big hole may be that running game this year. Uh, Justin Davis, uh, he seems to, to me, not be the kind of breakout back that I we had thought he was going to be. Uh, I don't know. I think, you know, we'll find out, I guess. Just wanted to get your comments or the coach or Dan's comments on the running game and what we can expect this fall. Once again, kudos. Take care. Thanks a lot. Again, that was such a great event. I hope you can continue to do that next season. Thanks again. Bye. Hey, uh, Jeff and the OC. You know, I think you you hit on the one question uh, that came, and, and it was a decision that they made. I don't think they told us in advance they were exactly going to do it that way, but it makes sense. Uh, 
think they had one scholarship running back ready. Uh, they were going thud. And thud is always, uh, you know, a difficult thing in terms of gauging exactly what's happening in the run game. Uh, so uh, I think they made the right choice. I think their decision was, Let's give Max Brown game exposure. This this is going to be his first college football game in the Coliseum with a you know a decent crowd, uh, and I thought it worked out really well letting him throw the ball 37 times and letting him play with the uh, with the starters essentially. Uh, all good decisions. Uh, probably a pretty decent decision not to not to run the ball. Uh, I mean, you had Soma also. I guess if you want to. You know, and 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 they're going to consider Soma as a you know the big big running back, uh, but but without Trey Madden and without the ability to fit all those pieces together, uh, I'm not sure they felt like they would have you know it would be a, a true test of the run game anyway. The other part of that is uh, the D line essentially had just two uh, scholarship guys, Cody Temple and and Delvon Simmons, without Claude Pilon and with the other you know three scholarship guys that you're really thinking are going to be in the rotation uh, out. So, uh, you know, I I could see if you went there and you thought, oh, what about the run game? I I was a little disappointed that the few times they did run the ball in uh, goal line, for example, or third and two, uh, the the plays got blown up. And that shouldn't, that's that's got to stop. That That was reminiscent of last year when, you know, your tailback would be getting the ball and some guy would be grabbing him by the ankles at the same time. Uh, that's got to stop. Uh, whatever is contributing to that, whatever, you know, you just can't miss, you know, the block on the guy in the hole when you've got to run short yardage. I mean, it's just, and that's, uh, that looked a little bit too much like, like last year. So that has to, that has to stop. But, uh, I don't think uh, Saturday was a good uh, chance to to really gauge the running game. But I think the good news is there is that it puts the focus on what has to happen for this team, you know, to be as good as it as it can be. Is it has to be able to run the ball when it has to be able to run the ball, and uh, no more trick plays on third and two. Got to be able to you know wedge it out, and uh, and we didn't see that you know Saturday certainly. Yeah, and then uh, thanks for uh, – it was good to meet you, too. I got to meet a lot of people. Uh, for those who don't know, we had a, a spring game tailgate. It was uh, it was great. I mean, I don't know. We definitely had over 100 people there, and uh, we had a hot dog vendor coming out, and it was fun, and Dan was holding court, and we were taking pictures with people, and I saw someone had an autographed hat that uh, Dan Weber had signed from before. So we had a, a good time with it, and I did have – we did have help there. I just – when I do go into tailgate mode, I'm just trying to, like – meet and greet people and set things up and keep cleaning as we go. So I just kind of go into a crazy mode. My OCD or something kicks in when I'm doing that. So I, we definitely had help, but I always get a little crazy at those kind of events. Yeah. And, and it was, it's kind of neat, you know, uh, you're talking to somebody and you know, where'd you come in from? Oh, Seattle or uh Trojan sky cop flew in from Japan. You know, I mean, it's like, wow. Okay. That's pretty neat. Uh, but it was a really, really neat time. Uh, and the great thing is, you don't always have that kind of pregame time uh, in the regular season, but uh, for the spring game, uh, you know, you could spend, uh, you know, much of the three hours uh, getting to, you know, to meet everybody, and it was uh, it was really uh, a really great great event, and uh, so glad everybody came out. Yeah, we used to do tailgates a long time ago, and it, it just became a lot of work, and, it, and we have to be in the Coliseum a couple hours early now, so it just 
I usually try to go to other people's tailgates or, or you know, some of our, you know, the, our users will have them and I'll, I'll stop by. But because we have to be in so early to work, it's really hard to do these. But the spring game was perfect. And I will try to maybe organize some other stuff this fall. We'll see. But I, it, it was very successful and we'd love to do it again. But it's uh, with, uh, you know, Dan and I have to be in to, you know, to go in there to work early. It's just really hard to, to execute something like that for the spring game, though. I mean, we were packing up as the game was technically about to start. But, but you know, we got in there and they just kind of started the uh, quote-unquote kickoff. So it actually worked out pretty well. Yeah, it was uh, everything about it uh, couldn't, couldn't have gone better. So uh, uh, even the location, when they uh, when you had to kind of move from lot six to lot five, turned out a better spot Yeah, uh, as, as it was, <laughs> and everybody found us, and, and that was great. And it left the people, I guess, in lot six a little bit lonely, but uh, that was okay. Yeah, yeah. There was, it was where we pull up early, and they were not opening the lot we were supposed to tailgate in because the – other lots weren't full yet, so it was kind of a some bureaucratic decision somewhere that we're not opening this lot yet, even though it was going to be open within an hour or so. So we had to go to lot five, set it up there, put it out on social media. So I'm sorry if you were looking for us in lot six and couldn't find us, but most people end up finding us. We had our uscfootball.com tent. And I'll put up some photos and stuff of the tailgate uh, on uscfootball.com. But thanks again for everyone coming out, and that was a nice uh, – a lot of people got to meet and, and maybe meet again or you know meet for the first time and tweet out pictures and stuff, so it was fun. Uh, but we got a lot of questions. We'll get back to the game. Uh, Bear Secutor wanted to know, he's talking about um, Scott Felix and Anthony Sorio. Any indication that Justin Wilcox, the USC defensive coordinator, will be willing and able to utilize these two real soldiers better this year? you got to love these guys' attitude and effort. I think the whole defense is going to be utilized better. I think uh, uh, guys like Scott, and uh, because of his just, you know, particular, uh, you know, a physical abilities, let's say, and, and Anthony, just because of his motor and that, I think they have to be set in motion. I don't think they're the kind of players uh, that can stand and wait and react. And uh, I think that was one of the, uh, you know, one of the difficulties for, for the defense last year. They weren't sure enough that they could, you know, play man, that they could press cover and that they could turn people loose so they kind of, you know, uh, stood around a little bit more than you'd like to see, weren't quite as aggressive as they needed to be, and were afraid of making mistakes. And, uh, it, you know, came back to bite them at the end of some of those games uh, that, uh, you know, that they couldn't get those big stops, and they were just hanging on. And uh, I think if you saw, you know, the other day, uh, they're not hanging on now. They're they're coming at you. They're you know they they're gonna be flying around. Uh, I think they're they've got you know uh, a higher comfort level maybe just because of physically with with guys like uh, you know Lamar Dawson who's six two and two thirty five but plays bigger than that. Uh, long arms, uh, you know can uh, get in the passing lanes, uh, you know, can grab people with one hand and, uh, you know, running sideline to sideline. I think with Cameron Smith, another, uh, you know, linebacker with, you know, with the ability to come up and really stop people. Uh, And they're talking about, for example, you know, they don't want guys who get hit, you know, after a one-yard gain to turn it into a four-yard gain. They want to be able to take people down so that, you know, if they hit you, after you've gained a yard, that's all you're going to gain is a yard. And so uh, I think with, with guys like Scott and, uh, uh, and Anthony, you need to have them moving to be able to do that. 
so, but in order for them to be moving and, and for them to be taken care, for them to be, you know, you, you can send them uh, and be very aggressive with them. You really have to play it uh, solidly along the back line. Those guys, in the same way with Sewer, you, you know, if you want to send Sewer, you better be sure that those four uh, corners and safeties are really going to lock people down. And they want to be able to lock them down long enough that somebody will get there to the quarterback. I think they've decided that's the best way to defend in the Pac-12 is, uh, is you're going to get to the quarterback before he gets anybody open. Uh, and I think I, I like that style. And so for Bearsecutor, I, uh, uh, I think he'll be happy with the way they're going to play him. And it was the way we weren't happy last year. Uh, that we didn't think those guys had the the skills or the size to just react and and, and play after you let the other team kind of decide what it wants to do. You have to take things away from them, and uh, and I think that's the basic uh, philosophy uh, defensively, and I think that's going to work out for everybody. Uh, He had a kind of a follow-up question. um, Talking about the captains, who you think is going to be the team captains this year, and he said – Assuming two on each side of the ball, he thinks Kessler and Turek, and Turek are obvious for offense with maybe Juju and Zach Banner or Toa Lobendon, maybe some of the candidates for next year. And he thinks Dory, you know, that'll be his team next year, captain or not. But defense, he doesn't think it's as obvious, uh, pass through a Craven. So any kind of thoughts on that? He mentions Antoine Woods or Kevon Seymour, some other possibilities. I think Kevon. I think Kevon might be the people's choice. I think Sua, after the scrimmage, said that Kevon, he thought, was the MVP of the spring. Now, people were asking Sua if he was, and he, you know, deferred to Kevon. And, uh, you know, from everybody you talk to, and uh, Kevon himself, uh, he's a different guy. You know, he's, he's become a leader in, uh, uh, you know, I did a piece real early in the, in the winter about the nutrition program, and they pointed out, you know, uh, uh, that, that Kevon was one of the guys who, they were surprised who had decided, you know, I'm going to really, you know, show the way here. And uh, I think uh, he's become, the, you know, the kind of shutdown corner that USC's always, you know, wanted. And um, and I think, you know, he's, you know, he just made a lot of decisions that, uh, uh, you know, that that the kids the kids are looking to and saying, wow, if Kevon's going to do this, if Kevon's doing that. Um, uh, so I think Kevon would be one. Uh, 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 Sua, obviously. Uh, I don't know if it's too soon to to uh, grab a Dory or not. I mean, he's one of those sophomores that sure doesn't, you know, talk or act like a sophomore. Uh, he's a very smart kid. Uh, if you put a Dory on there, you'd have actually someone representing all three teams: <laughs> offense, defense, and special teams. True. So could he be? He could be the fifth guy, you know, if you went 2-2 two, two and, uh, and, and Adoree. I don't know. Uh, but, um, but, you know, I, I think they've, uh, that was one of the questions to come out of the winter and the spring. Who are the leaders going to be? And uh, are there going to be enough of them? Because, you know, USC lost a lot of leaders uh, last year with, with Hayes, and, Hayes and Buck and Leonard by, you know, example and all that. And uh, I think uh, I think we've seen enough uh, enough guys step up. I think uh, you know a guy like Stephen Mitchell I think is leading just by uh, example every day and pushing, pushing, pushing. Uh, you know a kid like a tight end like Connor Spears I think has you know has come in here and just uh, you know again uh, the way he approaches every practice and uh, you know the way he showed up when they really needed 
somebody. Uh, I think uh, you know. I think the, so they're they're getting leaders. They're, they're young leaders, uh, but they're and 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 then they're getting a senior like uh, you know Kevon to come around. So uh, you know, I think uh, the leadership. Uh, I, I I wouldn't count out Trey Madden. He's a quiet kid. But you know he's been around a long time. We uh, we didn't get to see him in the spring in terms of you know going all out. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think you're probably right about the offensive choices. But it'll be interesting to see. You know, I mean we've we've had a year when they've gone to six captains. So uh, so uh, I guess that's always a possibility. Um, ben had a question, and for people who don't know, the spring game was actually on. Uh, Pac-12 Network, so it's kind of on TV. I don't get it, and a lot, most people don't get it, but you know, you, you, you could sort of watch it if you have Pac-12 Networks. I know you do, Dan. Um, yeah. And uh, I think Yogi Roth was one of the analysts, and I don't know if you got if you taped it and saw the replay or anything, uh, Dan. But I did, and I haven't. I've, I've been. Uh, I can't find it right now. So oh. <laughs> I wonder if I got cut off. No. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I was taping it, but uh, I'm still looking for it actually. But uh, so so I didn't get to see or hear what they uh, how they approached it. And I think this is what Ben's question was talking about because Yogi Roth was one of the analysts. So we'll, we'll I'll read it to you, but I I assume that's what he was talking about since I didn't get to see the the replay either or watch it live because we were at the game. But he said Yogi Roth noted that Cody Kessler throws inaccurately when pressured initially. Uh, Roth's criticism seemed to be failure to position his feet correctly for the throw. Then it seemed uh, to to it says then it seemed to be he must maintain his accuracy. Uh, what you can't m- maintain your accuracy when you're unable to position your feet correctly, i.e., you're divorcing your upper body from your lower body. Which one does Roth mean? Sark's public criticism, quote unquote, public critique. Uh, is insufficient anticipation. Get more familiar with the wide receivers and how they'll adjust the routes, trust them, and throw the ball earlier. That's a different critique entirely. If I understand Dan correctly, Sark's play calling and adjustments are the heart of the problem, and Cody Kessler is more of the victim than the cause. Or is it mostly the offensive line itself, such as Sark has no satisfactory play calling alternatives? Uh, without clearly defining a problem, even if it has several dimensions, how can the best solution be determined? Uh, that's from Ben. Well, um, I'm not sure uh, that the focal point of my uh, critique of Cody would be inaccuracy uh, for a guy who threw 39 touchdown passes to five interceptions, and I think he was eight of ten in the scrimmage. Uh, you know, so I'm not not really sure. You know what? You know, Yogi's a uh, you know. Uh, quarterback guru, I guess, uh, in, in, in some fashion or other. But, uh, 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 you know, I think there were, you know, there will always be when you've got a changing cast of uh, receivers, you've got young guys. I know Stephen Mitchell said the one thing you learned this spring is how really important it is to run the routes exactly right. And just being, you know, athletic or being, you know, this or that or the other thing, he said the key is to run them exactly right and uh i think cody's had you know some you know receiving talent uh but maybe not always uh the most disciplined route runners and they're young guys or or new guys each year and all of that and so uh uh and with a very young offensive line two years ago it was kind of a, a really inconsistent offensive line last year a very young offensive line uh 
I think Cody, you know, throwing on the run, I don't think there's a better quarterback in the country throwing on the run when he's moving his feet. Uh, and he gets a lot of time. That's, you know, he also, I think, tends to, you know, throw the ball really well. Uh, if you say he's really, you know, the one time is right when that pressure gets to the quarterback, I'm not sure, you know, but I can think of too many guys that, that throw the ball really accurately uh, at that moment when they're, you know, getting the exact pressure. One of the things Saturday, I think, was the, because they're not tackling, uh, it was kind of up in the air, uh, you know, and, and in terms of a couple of the sacks, whether it was a sack or not, did they get there soon enough or not. So there there might have been, you know, some indecision there, but, but uh but I'd be hard pressed to, you know, kind of focus much on, uh, on, uh, you know, on Cody's, uh, you know, the way Cody combines his his feet with his, you know, upper body and, and his his throwing release. Uh, I think he's pretty, uh, pretty, pretty solid there. Uh, I, I, so I'm I'm not sure, you know, exactly what Yogi was, you know, was talking about. Yeah, we didn't see it obviously, so we can't really. It's hard to to comment, but I guess he was. Kind of referring to, there's a lot of different criticisms of Cody Kessler, and I I think that's kind of like you know Dan mentioned what was it 40 touchdowns or 39 touchdowns, five picks, um, but there was you know there were some games that were lost at the end. Not saying it was Cody Kessler's fault or anything, but people are looking for is it the coach, is it the quarterback, the main kind of features. So I think there's probably a lot more criticism out there of, of Cody Kessler than there probably should be, um, and I, you know I think if you know the team wins more. His fault or you know or not, I think the the criticism will probably die down some. Well, I mean, I think some of it was oh, against the really good teams, he didn't uh, maybe uh, have the same uh, numbers as he did against the you know the, the weaker teams, or he didn't have those you know good second half numbers as, as in the first half, and a lot of that was really the way the game was called. And uh, you know, I thought you know the game plan against UCLA was just abysmal. Uh, and uh, you know for the whole game, uh, and they come back and, and and they really have a good game plan for you know for Notre Dame. Uh, but uh, but I think you know and Sark admitted this that he called the game differently in the second half. They were so afraid uh, that they were uh, you know going to run out of time, that they were going to run out of bodies, and that they were you know petrified that if they went out and threw the ball you know two or three times on the first few series and didn't get first downs, the clock wouldn't run, and the, the game would, you know, be too long for them to hang on, which was kind of a real, really a negative way to look at it, and it kind of, I think, made the, you know, it was like going into the four corners uh, offense uh, to start the second half. And uh, and so if the numbers weren't that good, you know, that wasn't Cody calling this play. That was, uh, you know, that was the, uh, you know, the coaching staff, and that was the decision they made to kind of, you know, back off from being aggressive and going all out, uh, you know, attacking. And uh, so so I think, you know, those criticisms are pretty much unfounded on Cody. I mean, he's the guy that two years ago made that pass at the end of the game against Stanford, you know, to, see, you know, to win that game. And uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen any difference at the end of games for Cody as long as he's got a chance to make those plays. I mean, I think it's up to, you know, uh, the coaches to uh, allow him to be in a position to make the same kind of plays in the second half as he does the first half, but uh, that I, you know, I don't see that at all. That criticism. And then you mentioned uh, the tackling aspect, and Tarek had a question. I'm concerned with the lack of tackling in practice. For years, we didn't tackle in practice, and it showed up in games. 
Should we expect a very physical fall camp with all the newcomers? We will never win the Pac-12 title or a national title being a finessed, uh, excuse me, a finessed soft team. And he put on parentheses, ask Oregon. That's from Tarek. Yeah, you don't have to, but you don't have to be a physical team uh, in terms of tackling and practice. And Pete Carroll's now not tackling uh, exactly in practice. They're doing that kind of rugby style uh, tackling, which uh, I think it, you know carries over. I think you have to be a physical team in that physically that you defeat your you know your opponent. You you beat them to the spot. At that point, I think much of it takes care of itself. I think the big issue in the previous years is when they didn't practice fast and physical. And when I say practice physically, you know, I'm not talking about you have to tackle people and take them to the ground, but you have to practice fast and physically, and uh, you you have to be able to, uh, you know, practice at the speed and under the pressure and, you know, the game tempo uh, that you're going to see on Saturdays. And, uh and that's what, you know, what caused USC problems when they started going into the sort of a uh, NFL-type practice mode and, uh, and players weren't up to game speed when the game started, and so they're not in position. Uh, and, and that more than anything, and they're not, you know, taking the right angles and all of that kind of thing. I think that, without a doubt, the way they're practicing now in terms of, uh, you know, the fact that they're playing so much more press coverage and that they're trying to take you out of the game immediately on offense, uh, I think is is a much different world. Uh, USC, I mean, one of the, the disappointing things was we always felt USC had the athletes, or at least, you know, the guys they had were going to play better if they played fast and they played physical, and that they weren't geared to be, you know, playing, you know, kind of a back-off reacting mode. So, uh, so I think that part of it will be fine. I do think one of the hardest things in, in football, coaching football right now, is figuring out exactly where and how you do tackle and practice and how you do it exactly uh, in a way that, that most uh, uh, mimics game situation and yet uh, gives you the least chance of getting somebody hurt. And, uh, and uh, we'll see how that, you know, how that all develops. I think that's one of the things that, uh, that you're going to see probably develop and change and, and advance more than anything we're going to see over the next few years uh, is the way that you tackle and practice and the way you hit and practice. Uh, and it's going to be a key to, you know, making football survivable in the long term uh, and not having, you know, young kids uh, not being allowed to play football because their parents are afraid of football and all that. I think you want to keep all the – you know, the elements of the game that are, you know, really important to people that love football and yet do it in a way, um, you know, that's uh, as safe as possible. I think Pete's ahead of the game with uh, with the uh, uh, way he's doing the whole rugby tackling in practice. And uh, uh, I think uh, I'd like to see more of that, you know, in the college game and see more of that from USC. All right, uh, let's go to Jeff. He says, I was wondering if you could clarify the tight end situation. I know you've talked about it a little bit, but the last I heard, Jalen Cope Fitzpatrick wasn't part of the team. Then I saw him playing in the spring game, uh, but Bryce Dixon was AWOL. Uh, what happened with Dixon? I know they got a transfer from Oklahoma, but as far as I know, he isn't playing yet. Is that right? Any chance Sark would ever use a Stanford-style six- or seven-man offensive line with an extra tackle or two instead of tight ends? Seems like the personnel is there to do it. 
in certain situations. Thanks for the great podcast every week and fight on. Jeff, the math teacher in Fountain Valley. Yeah, Jeff. Uh, actually, was standing next to uh, Clay Helton and somebody asked him that exact question. And he said, uh, uh, they said, what about the jumbo? And he said, oh, we call it the elephant. Uh, so it's there. We don't see it yet. And maybe we're not going to see it until they get, you know, Taylor McNamara, the uh, Oklahoma kid in here, until they clarify, uh, you know, what's going on with Bryce Dixon. Uh, you know, we've heard some really uh, uh, not, uh, I, don't know, I guess, not optimistic uh, uh, reports about him coming back. But then more recently heard that maybe, maybe there's a chance. Uh, but you'd probably need, need, you know, four or five tight ends uh, on the roster to be able to do, you know, something like that, I would think. Uh, uh, although I guess you can do it with tackles and uh, you don't need, you don't need a couple of tight ends if you go that route. But, uh, but I think uh, until we know what's going to happen with Bryce Dixon, I don't think we know what direction they're going, going in there. And uh, as far as Jalen Copas-Fatic, he's been there the whole spring. Uh, he had, he talked to, I was talking to him last week and he said he just, you know, he stopped going uh, to practice in, in late October uh, because of uh, uh, his academic issues, and you know, I, I guess it, you know it's an ongoing uh, you know thing uh, in terms of uh, making sure he's academically uh, you know going to be available uh, for next fall. But uh, this spring, uh, he's been there the, been there the whole time, except for the fact that he needed to get caught up on what it takes to play at this level, what it takes to play full full go. And he, he thought that by uh, last week he'd finally gotten himself to where he was uh, back to, you know, up to speed, uh, as it were, and, uh, and was getting uh, a number of first-team reps. So, so he's back, but then uh, uh, the bright, bright spot, you know, on the, on, on the roster in the spring has been, you know, 6'6", uh, 252-pound, Connor Spears, uh, the transfer from Columbia, uh, who's, uh, who's just you know had a really good spring, uh, catches the ball in traffic, uh, just getting bigger and stronger, and uh, uh, you know was a kid that, that deserves a scholarship as soon as they can get him one. But uh, but you know you could not know that he's not a scholarship kid by looking at him, and uh, one of these late developers who was like 205 pounds uh, coming out of high school and uh, has just gotten so much bigger and stronger. And um, uh, I think a former basketball player who maybe didn't always have time, you know, to really concentrate and put on weight, and, uh, and now he is. And uh, uh, so, so it's okay. I mean, tight end is it's not exactly where you want it, but it's, uh, it's not probably in as bad a shape as it might have been had, uh, you know, had – Connor not come around, that Jalen, you know, not come around, had they not gotten the guy from Oklahoma. So, um, so we'll see. But uh, it's uh, it's a position that you maybe keep your eye on and see see what they decide to do with it. And I don't know that they've absolutely decided. I think they threw the ball to the tight end pretty decently uh, later in the spring. And so uh, we'll see, um, you know, if they they keep doing that. Uh, we've got a couple more to get to. We'll try to cram in here. Arthur says it seems like Michael Hutchings has been demoted. I would like to for him to try to get a chance at strong safety, considering he's only 210 pounds. I think USC should forget about strong safeties at 200 pounds or less. Remember Darnell Bing and Troy Palmalo? 
I don't think uh, there can be that uh, that they can be that successful against big talent, big time talent with small bodies, unless they are exceptional. Like, and he put uh, Gutiberg, but I think he was talking about Matt Grudegood um, from way back in the day. But that's for Arthur. Well, I don't think the uh, the distinction between you know strong safety. I mean, they're not even doing that much distinction between safety and corner anymore. I mean, basically, you got four four DBs, and they want the corners big enough and strong enough to play like safeties, and they want the safeties quick enough and athletic enough to play like corners. So I don't think you're going to see that demarcation, you know, as such, uh, you know, the idea that you need a big, strong safety to play against their tight end. Heck, a lot of these teams don't play tight ends, you know. So, uh, you know, they got four wideouts, and you, you're running all over the field with them. So, uh, uh, so I don't know that that's the, what they're basically trying to do is come up with guys that are that are big. I mean, and you've seen that with uh, Chris Hawkins going to safety and, uh, you know, a Lamont Simmons, a 6'2 guy at, at corner. Uh, and, and when you get, uh, you know, Biggie Marshall in here, you know, you get another guy that, you know, you could say, well, he's a hybrid size-wise, speed-wise, athletic, you know, and all of that. And that's, I think, what they're going for, guys that are, you know, can, can you know, play anywhere that they need them to play. They're, you know, they're going to be able to take you down uh, no matter how big you are, if you're, you know, uh, where they are in the USC secondary, but they're going to be able to run with you. And they're going to be able to, you know, clamp down on you know uh when they come up and, and press and they're going to do a lot of that so uh so i i don't think you're going to go back to the kind of taylor mays uh you know model uh in the secondary where you know you play a, like a super safety kind of a guy uh i just think that this is a different way of, of doing it uh as far as michael hutchings um i see i i know it's easy to say demoted I wouldn't choose to say to matter. You know, maybe other guys move up. Uh, I think you know, Cameron Smith has uh, shocked them, I think, with his ability. I mean, uh, not that they didn't expect him to be good. I don't think they expected him to be this good. Uh, and this, you know, solid and, and the pass coverage uh, skills he can do. And they frankly didn't know a thing about Lamar Dawson in terms of just what they'd seen on film uh, you know, from a couple of years ago. So, I think those are developments that happen just because guys, uh, uh, you know, came in and, and really, you know, played lights out. Uh, same way with uh, Elijah Wynn Tucker, you know, now, you know, 6'3", 240 now. And uh, he looks like, you know, a guy that, you know, an NFL linebacker. I mean, he looks like a prototype. And uh, so you're having guys who are making, you know, kind of big leaps up, I think, and that, you know, give you – Maybe a more physical, physical look in there. But yeah, you're right. Uh, finding a spot for uh, Michael Hutchings, I think, would would be really good. I mean, I think he's you know closer to like 218 pounds or something like that. But uh, but still not your classic maybe size, uh, you know, for an inside linebacker. But uh, you would like to see with a guy with his, uh, you know, coming from DSL and having all the fundamentals and uh, you know smart kids. Uh, you'd like to see a place, and this is uh, the key, if they can rotate enough, if they have places for guys like Quentin Powell and, and Michael Hutchings and that they can play, you know, everybody and play them really fast and, uh, and 
you know, not have to worry about we're not going to have enough people at the end of the game. One last one for you, Dan, from Melvin. He's a little concerned about the defensive line depth. Do you think you saw enough from the defensive line this spring uh, with the current players, or are they going to rely on some of the freshmen who are coming in? Are they going to have a lot of opportunities to play and help out with the depth on the D-line? Well, I, I mean, I, I, I agree with people who say, you know, when they look at the freshman class and say, you know, there are guys there that can play, and I, I don't disagree with that at all. But if, if uh, you know, you get Teddy Bigelow back and you get, you know, Greg Townsend, you know, as a senior – back and you get Antoine Woods back and the three-man rotation that they had in the spring really did a pretty nice job with Claude Pilon and Delon Simmons and, uh, and Cody Temple. So right now there you got a six-man rotation that I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with. Now if you've got a freshman or so you know and there are a couple of candidates that we can think about who uh, you know could break into that that's great. I mean that's just but it, I like it if you don't have to play the freshman and that the only way they get on the field is because they break into the lineup, you know, that they're good enough. You can't keep them off the field. So, uh, but I think with that six man nucleus and with the, you know, the quality of, of athletes that are coming in, uh, you know, the size and the, you know, athleticism of the, of the freshman group, uh, I don't think it'd be wrong to think, you know, one or two of those guys are going to be good enough to, to get on the field. Uh, that gives you a pretty darn good rotation. I mean, that's a, and that's a big difference, again, from last year. You can do more things, and you can, you know, play faster, and you can, you know, send them, uh, you know, uh, a lot more. Or whatever you, just, you know, choose to do with them, you can do it and not have to be calculating like they did last year on how is this going to impact us, uh, you know, at the end of games. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to have to be a consideration. It's just going to be what's the best thing we can do with these guys, uh, you know, on every play. I mean, I'm really interested in seeing what Kenny Bigelow going to look like. I mean, I think we see him now. He's slimmed down to 285. I mean, he looks uh, he looks as good as you can look. Uh, but then, you know, very often he always has. Uh, now I want to see if he can play, uh, you know, as good as he looks. And uh, you know, he's got a great attitude. And um, uh, I think he might be the key as to just, you know, what the ceiling is for this uh, for this group. But but I'm not I'm not too discouraged about uh, you know they played the run I think really well already and uh, you know they're not going up against a bunch of you know guys that haven't played or don't have a lot of size and, and you know and athleticism on the offensive line. So uh, I mean I think that back and forth between groups, uh, the wide receivers and the DBs or the offensive line and defensive line, I think it's one of the keys to where this team can, you know, get itself uh, in the fall. I think that was the key all through the Pete Carroll era of uh, those guys pushing one another and making them get better, and I think they've got the, you know, the nucleus to do that. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not downbeat at all about the uh, defensive line. I think they can, uh, I think there, there are enough numbers and there are enough athletes there to be uh, to be pretty good. All right. Well, Dan, great stuff. Uh, thanks for all the great spring football coverage. We'll uh, update Spring Ball Central on uscfootball.com. We'll still have a few more stories and interviews we do, you know, analysis coming out of the spring game. So check on the, the site for that. But that's going to wrap it up for our spring coverage on the podcast. Thanks again, Dan, for coming on. I enjoyed it very much. And uh, it was a good spring, I think. I think it certainly was. All right. Well, Dan, for Dan Weber, uh, Coach Harvey Hyde, thanks to you guys. Thanks for everyone sending in those questions. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Peristyle Podcast. We will talk to you all next week.
been listening to the Pear Style Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on parastylepodcast.com or search for Parastyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.